and welcome to the Sweet Spot on a Farm episode 44. Uh, today we will be talking about the bread and to be precise about the traditionally made bread as opposed to the commercially mass-produced bread you can find in supermarkets and which we really should not be eating. But before we do, um, let me tell you what this podcast is about just in case you tuned in uh, completely at random and have no idea what the Sweet Spot is about. So the Sweet Spot is all about natural health. I talk to natural health and fitness professionals and anyone whose business and life's mission it is to help us support our health. We cover topics like organic farming, herbalism, fitness training, natural therapies, and we also talk about healthy eating and food and share plant-based recipes. And today will be no different. And I welcome my today's guest, Master Baker at Grain Bakehouse. Carl. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Not too bad. And um, before I get started, I do have to tell you that you're actually my hero because after about 15 years of not being able to eat bread or anything that even smells of wheat or yeast or anything like that, I was able to enjoy a slice of bread and pizza. Like I had pizza after about 15 years. <laughs> And that's because of you and your amazing product. So well, thank you very much. Well, you have, you have me to think it's the yeast, the natural yeast. Um, yeah, it's whatever it is, I'll take it. I don't care yeah. what it is, it works. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually having difficulty um, digesting like carby products as well. So the fact that I can eat that with any issues whatsoever, it's that's amazing. a miracle to me. What is so special about traditionally made sourdough? How does it work and how does it compare to commercially made bread what's the difference the difference is the simplicity uh, the free ingredients uh, organic flour and my you can't make up without organic flour but I, I believe that the organic flour is the way to go because it doesn't have all the nasty chemicals that come from farming process and all as well so you're getting the organic flour you're using filtered water and my uh, you don't have to use filtered water but again i'm using filtered water because i believe that you know you should do because it takes out all the all the nasties that, um, that are in the water nowadays and Himalayan salt. So you've got three ingredients that are all pure and good and all you need to do is give them love and time like has been done for millennia um, and it all comes together and people like yourself and like myself can eat the bread with no issues and the, the issue with modern bread um, and the difference is that I think the average loaf has 20 something ingredients um, and where my bread would take three days to make and it's slowly fermented over time um, with live active bacteria and culture. Um, the processed bread is, is probably from start to finish two hours. So it in its own right. And uh, two hours might be a long time for some bread, some breads might be less. Um, yeah, so it in its own right, if you just think about it logically that way without the list of ingredients. Um, my bread has t had time to, not just my bread, anybody who's making sourdough bread, Hundreds and thousands of people are doing across the world. Millions of people are doing across the world, because um, that is the original bread. Um, it's given time for the um, the bacteria to break down the um, the hard enzymes that, that exist in in the, the wheat. So that whenever you ingest it, your body doesn't have to work hard. And that's why people like yourself and like myself too. That's why I started baking it. Um, can digest it because the digestion has been done by the bacteria in the fermentation process whereas commercially made bread that that hasn't happened so your gut's having to work a hundred times harder never mind the fact that it hasn't fermented so it's fermenting in your stomach um which is causing acid reflux acid indigestion you know blah 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 all these um issues that people have nowadays um in my belief is a lot to do with bread 
it comes down to bread. A lot of gut issues now are due to the mass producing, you know, bread, it could be biscuits, or, you know, the wheat pro pro produce in, in general. I do actually remember eating proper bread when I was a child, when my grand and my grandfather would go in the morning and pick up bread from local bakery. And it wouldn't be fresh bread every day. They mm. would have it maybe a couple of times a week. Yep. I suspect that's because it takes so long to to ferment and mm. then suddenly we moved to city and we started buying bread in supermarkets and it just never tasted the same. No, it won't have the same. Part of the, the, the beauty of the fermentation process is that it, it brings a richness. It, it, it lets, if you want to, it nearly sounds quite romantic, but if you want to um, imagine that letting all the, you know, flavour and the purity that, that, that's hidden inside the grain, it lets it slowly release and mature and bloom. You know, like like most fermented foods, if you let, if you give it time, you know, it gets better and better, um, taste-wise. Um, bread's no different. You know, if you could give it even longer, it would probably be even better, but especially if you're doing it as a, as a business, you can only give it so long, and I, I give it as long as I can. Three days, that's that's a really long time, and what a huge difference. I, I can't believe that commercial breads take such a little amount of time to make. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, I used to make bread myself that, that way years ago. Um, and if you go to like a supermarket or bread online or whatever, um, activated yeast, it, you know, you just mix it with a bit of hot water, a bit of sugar. And again, you don't have to, you can make bread at home without fermenting. Um, and it is a hell of a lot better than the stuff you can buy in the shops. But again, the process is very, very short, and it's not fermenting. You know, you can make, you can buy activated yeast. You can put a teaspoon of it in water with a bit of sugar, leave it, um, add your flour and your salt or whatever, and give it an hour. It'll rise and double in size. Punch it back, give it another hour. It'll double and rise in size. Put it in the oven, and there in three hours you've got bread. It will be far better because it doesn't have all the nasty ingredients that shop bought stuff does. But it won't be fermented. So, you know, if you don't have any gut issues. Yeah, possibly it could be okay for you to eat, and you know it's a way to go. It's far better than what you can buy, but in my belief, um, in my experience from myself and other people, um, and you know there's a vast amount of information out there on the on the web and books, and there's people that are a lot more have went into it a lot deeper than me scientifically and what have you, um, that they've got the information there of what is actually happening, um, you know the fermentation is is the key to it being. Uh, it also opens up all the nutrients and minerals that are you know available and and hidden in the wheat as well, and lets your body absorb them far better too. I guess that because you're fermenting your your dough, um, mm. the key would be a really good starter. Yeah, yeah, I can show you. It. This is your magic starter. That is my magic starter. That's what I keep whenever I'm not baking, and that's what I build up in volume um, for my bakes. So how much do you need for a batch of your breads? Well, I would build that up from today. I will after shortly after you go, I'll be building that up um, for my next bake. So um, my next bake, I'll actually be bulk bake. Uh, you know, my, my final dough will be on Thursday. So I will be taking half of that, basically, and adding it with greater amounts of flour and water and building it up and building it up and building it up. And then Thursday, I can create the final build and make the final bread. Now it ferments overnight. Um, I do a cold ferment because I believe again it brings out more flavour and it gives the enzymes more time to release and what have you. Um, and then it's ready to bake on Friday morning. You always keep a little bit back for the next. Oh, one. I, absolutely. No, that's that's my starter there. So whenever that that's always that size. I take away every day. You take away half, okay. no, no matter whether you're baking or not. And this okay. is this is a difficulty for somebody who wants to home bake sourdough. Um, 
and can only maybe bake one day a week. There's a lot of waste because okay, because you have to look after yeah, it. Yeah, basically, I take half that away, and for example, you would put in hundred grams of water, hundred okay. grams of flour, okay. and you take away half. So you know, every time you're built, you're building it double up again, and that just keeps it healthy and alive and all the rest. But some people have had success freezing it and refrigerating it. I haven't. I've tried both, um, and haven't been happy with the results. It, it it takes too long. It doesn't kill it, but it takes too long for me to get back to strength. Um, so yeah, I've always got that amount there. Um, and then I just take out of that and build up my, my dose. It's very similar to taking care of um, kefir. Yeah, grains. absolutely. Because yeah. I had the same thing and I tried to freeze them and I tried to refrigerate them. And it took me about two weeks to revive them back to life yeah. to make kefir. So I kind of ended up stop stopping the, the fermenting because I just didn't... Couldn't keep up with it. I just couldn't keep up and yeah. I couldn't. I tried giving it away and I, I couldn't possibly drink that much kefir yeah. myself. that's it. And yeah, it's a very similar process. It is. It's, it's fermentation. Fermentation is yeah. fermentation right across the board. It's basically the same no matter what way you're fermenting. Um, you just it look. looks like hummus. <laughs> yeah, open it there and get a smell of it. That's, it needs fed. You can, you can smell the... It's nearly Oh there. yeah, I can't smell it. Grape, nearly, sort yeah. of. Yeah. Definitely uh, smells fermented. That's it. And you have to give it a name, you see. So you know, otherwise it doesn't work. You have to give it a name? Yeah, everybody has to name their starter. Okay, what's your starter it's, called? It's a really bad name. I would give it years ago, because that's about seven years old now, so it is. But the, the Yeastmeister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's too long. You need to, uh, you need to come up with something I, a lot cooler. I know people that have just given like random names like Bob. And, yeah. It's way better than <laughs> yeah. I, I have to rename it, so yeah. You, you have to. Sure, I can be. You can get people to, to, to drop their ideas in. <laughs> Richard. <laughs> I have to go and feed Richard. <laughs> it's, it's my third child, I so it is. Really it does. It sounds quite dodgy, so it does. I'll just, just leave that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's my third child. Whenever we go on holiday, I have to have somebody to look after Again, it we, is like a pet, isn't uh, it? Absolutely. If we go to like we go up to Ballycastle for a bit and um, what have you, and uh, I have to bring the whole kit with me, bring enough flour, bring the scales, you know, filtered water. It's like taking another child. And then whenever we go away in the summer, if we're going out for a couple of weeks, uh, my wife's sister she looks after it for me. So she does. Cool. <laughs> yeah. well, so what are you doing this week? Um, I'm he's sitting. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sitting. <laughs> I'm babysitting Richard. Richard. <laughs> so I guess um, you mentioned that a little bit there um, that um, you had um, a bit of issues digesting bread and yep. stuff. So it's, I guess it's most people I talk to who start their uh, natural health or healthy food business, it always comes down to their own personal experience and mm -hmm. passion. So... Mm -hmm that I take it was the case for you? Absolutely. Well, in former life, I've, I've had many hats, but I was a bricklayer um, for a good section of my life. Um, and as you can imagine, being out in sites, you're not really... If the, the right foods aren't normally very available to you. You know, you're very much relying on garages and shops. And, you know, if you don't get it... If you're not organised, if you're organised and you make your lunch the night before and you get up in the morning in time, um, you're fine, but I generally wasn't. I was one of these people that was waking up, you know, it started early anyway, but it was one of these people that was basically waking up, going to the toilet, getting a cup of tea and running out the door. Um, so I was relying on pretty bad food, you know, like fries and stuff. I wasn't eating a very good diet at the time, to be fair. Um, and I smoked also, which wasn't great for my guts as well. Um, I've since knocked all that in the head, obviously, but uh, yeah, um, that's where my problem started, uh, in my mind. It was, you know, I was eating a lot of soda bread and fried foods and 
you know, sausage rolls, just stuff that, you know, I wasn't thinking about what I was eating. It was just like, right, it's lunchtime, need something that means, you know, I was working hard all day. Need something that's going to fill me up until I get home, bang, you know, in the wee garage or whatever. And, um, yeah, that's where I started remembering, feeling, you know, the sort of acid coming up because I'd never had any experience of it. And I knew plenty of people who were amazed, uh, friends and what, what have you, who were amazed that I hadn't, ha- hadn't any gut, gut issues because they'd been, haven't got issues for years. So yeah, it started there, um, and very very quickly escalated, um, and because I didn't have the education or the knowledge, um, I didn't know where it was coming from. So like everybody went to the doctors and explained, um, and basically he was going to put me on a lifetime supply of some sort of awful tablet. I can't remember what name it was, but I came home and googled it, um, and the side effects and. You know, it was like all these pharmaceutical drugs, it was atrocious. And I do believe in herbal medicine and I don't do pharmaceuticals. So, as you can imagine, I was very, very reluctant to go to go down that road. Um, so I started looking more into my dad and how I could heal myself naturally. Um, so the first thing was, you know, natural um, herbal supplements, stuff like that. Apple cider vinegar, started working a treat, um, activated charcoal, you know, like, all these things were helping the um, symptoms, but nothing was sorting out the cause. Um, so it was, yes, every time I flared up, we shot apple cider vinegar, bang, you know, it was grand maybe for an hour or two, but it flared up again. So it was like, right, okay, I need to start looking at my dad. Um, and slowly but surely started whittling down, you know, right, I flared up then, I flared up then, you know, process of elimination. And started reading a bit more um, and bread kept coming up. But didn't want to believe it, like most people, you know. You sometimes you don't want to see the you know the trees for the woods, um. So, yeah, sort of kept disregarding it, and then thought, okay, I'll start making my own bread. So I started making my own bread exactly in the process that I was talking before with the with the yeast, not the sourdough method. Um, I was getting better results, but still getting flare ups, um, and then slowly but surely started thinking, okay and started making sourdough and then read into a lot of it and people, other people were getting results and within a month my guts, uh, I was also taking the herbal supplements results, still taking my apple cider vinegar and um, I take um, turmeric um, or turmeric, whatever you want to call it, and ginger, you know all the types of things that are going to ease the gut anyway um, and yeah within a month I basically eradicated the problem and since I don't have any issues, the only time I have issues now are like if I go on holiday and it's very, very hard to get, you know, I try to stay away from bread, but you know, sometimes if you're in a nice restaurant and there's like, you know, um, like really nice anchovies and olive oil and there's a bit of, you know, toasted bread sitting there, it's really, really hard to resist, you know, so. <laughs> Will yeah, power. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, power. You know, sometimes you go, you know, uh, sometimes you go, ah, it's worth a wee bit of pain, so you have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but very, very, very rarely. So, yeah, and the other one would be, you know, if I'm, if I'm out and, like I've stopped doing this, you know, if you're out somewhere and they do like a really good burger and everybody's like, oh, you want to taste the burgers here? I can't eat the pops at all. I'm like, right, okay, I'll have one. And then you die for three days. So, yeah, I've stopped doing that as well. Um, but, yeah, basically that's where it started. It was, in my mind, it was the, the bad debt that I had before and just finding out myself and working out my own um, gut. Um, yeah, and I've completely changed my whole diet since. Scratch cook. Um, every night, um, make all my own stocks, everything, you know, 
Um, even when my stocks use organic flour, you know, it's for my roux, if I'm making a thicker gravy and stuff. So, um, yeah, no, definitely my my love for sourdough is definitely came from exactly what you're saying, my own gut and health issues. So when did you decide that you weren't going to make sourdough just for yourself? You were going to sell it and make it a business? It all happened by complete uh, coincidence, but there's no such thing as coincidence. So, um, yeah, it was written in the stars, if you want to put it that way. Um, I'd been baking it for quite a while. He, he just here at home um, for me and family and a few friends and family as well, um, occasionally, but mostly just for us. Um, and some, to be looking back, it was awful. I thought it was good, but it was awful, you know. I was obviously only learning, um, very heavy and what have you. But um, I, I went to, I already started thinking, you see, I was, as I said before, I was a bricklayer. Uh, the reason I stopped bricklaying was because uh, our kids were young and they were being looked after by other people in childcare because we don't have a family support. Um, and we were also paying out a fortune, but it wasn't the money that was the issue. It was other people bringing up our kids. And was, my wife has her own business, and I have my own business too at the Brickland. But um, I'm very domesticated, and we weren't happy about the kids, as I say, being in childcare. So I was like, right, look, I'll give up work for a while and I'll look after them and see. Didn't know how it was going to go because it always worked. Um, but we thought that was a better option than somebody else raising their kids. So we give it up, and we moved up here, and I got to set myself up a polytunnel put my own raised beds in, um, started growing my own veg and what have you, baking my own bread, trying to look after my gut and my family's health and all organic um, as well. Um, and yeah, started baking the bread and people started saying to me, you should be selling that bread. Um, you know, people would come and buy that and I was like, there's no way people won't come and buy it. You know, the, the, the things that you tell yourself and Sardo wasn't as well known now, you know, and it's very trendy now you know you go to places and sardos on the menu a lot a lot of time not real sardo but we'll not get into that um and yeah it had been in my head um for a while that i wanted to get back to work because the idea was of stopping work um i'm back on it now uh, i was stopping work to look after the kids but the idea was to get down to an age where they're old enough where i could get back to work again and some guys whether it was back at the building or something else and um that that time was coming, so it was in my head. You know, I didn't want to go back to the building because I'd been away from it too long, and my body felt great. <laughs> you know, not doing that work. You know, it's it's hard work on the on the joints, um, and yeah, I'd I'd had the idea just running about my head, but like I say, I was like, I don't think anybody. You know, you know the lies you tell yourself that the doubt sets in, um, and. There's a guy that comes to me, Dean Weir. I don't know why you know him. He does Weir's organic raw milk and all his all, all his land certified, completely organic. And he actually delivers to me, so he does um, once a week. Um, I'd happened to mention it to him, so he does his milk round. Obviously, everybody buys off him. Is in their organic produce and it's raw milk, and you know they're in they're in that sort of world. So I'd just in speaking, um, said it to him, and the next thing, he had phone me and says, right, Carl, he says, I have a load of people here looking bread. And I was like, what? Because I was just baking it out of my domestic oven. So Ed says, look, and, you know, I can't do it. Um, and then by chance, just because I didn't have the setup for it. So just by chance, we went up to Ballycastle um, for a wee break with the family. And I don't know how well you've heard of Arsene Minor Bakehouse in Ballycastle. Uh, Sardo Bakery in Ballycastle, it's amazing. So it was really, really tough year up there. Or any of your listeners are up there, um, call in and give the guys a 
show that's that's really really good so i cut a long story short i went in and i there was a guy at the counter and i says you the baker and he says no baker's downstairs you want to get him up and come up and have a with and i says oh, yeah, i'd love that i'd make me own sorta so dara his name is he came up and me and him had a chat and he had just recently moved into this new premises and i was telling him my ideas and he was saying yeah I thought he would have had training, and this is what I was telling myself, you know, you need to be trained to be a baker and all the rest of it. And I can't remember what his previous job was, but he had no previous training either. He taught him the exact same as myself, taught himself, because he loved food and he loved good produce, produce and all the rest of it. And he says, look, man, he says, if you start doing it, the, you know, the trades are, people will come. And so he sort of gave me the inspiration. Um, and I still, you know, say to everybody that if, if I hadn't had that conversation with her, I don't know whether I actually would have... Um, became a sourdough baker because it was like oh right okay you can do this um so i came home i phoned dean and says right um the then people are looking the bread still i'll give it a go i think the first order was like six loaves and i was baking out of a domestic oven which you could only do two loaves at a time i was up all night <laughs> i was up all night up the high dough that's a bad a bad pun but yeah i was up the high dough and yeah yeah i got the loaves out but they were awful they were so bad so they were but um funny enough the, the six, I'm near sure the six people that they went to are still my customers, so they stuck by me all this time. But Mustn't have been that bad. No, no, <laughs> I compared to they weren't able to get anything else, and you know, it's the same thing. A lot of them had issues with, you know, gut problems, and they, they were wanting, they couldn't get proper sardo. They were buying what is, you know, um, cold sardo from like supermarkets, um, which absolutely annoys me because people think, you know, people are told eat sourdough bread if you've got good issues and you'll get good results and all the rest of it and then they go to the supermarket and the bat and nothing changes um, mm. because it's not sourdough it's not fermented it's a sour a lot of occasions uh, I don't know legally you can't just slag off so I'm not name any, any establishments but a lot of places it's the exact same technique as the really activated yeast that I was talking about earlier on and what they do is they put in like a sarn powder as far as I'm aware um, it gives it a slight sourdough taste but it's by no means sort of bread. I'm actually part of, I'll give the guys a shout out here, I'm actually part of Real Bread Ireland, um, who to be a member of, you have to you know, be free ingredients, organic flour, or it doesn't have to be organic flour, sorry, just flour, water and salt in your produce, um, and no um, artificial um, raisin agents. You know, like for example, there's flour producers there that do organic bread, but they maybe have um, uh, vitamin C, um, in their in their flour, which is considered a raisin agent, but it's chemical vitamin C, it's which is atrocious stuff. So they don't allow that. Um, but they, they, what they do is they try to promote um, real bread across Ireland. Um, likes myself, um, likes Adara, um, or some manner he's in it, and Guy Joe, um, the baker, and Emma Skill in there, as well. Are the guys that I can think of locally that are in it. Um, but it's across the whole of Ireland. Um, and. Yeah, they they they're they're all about the the promotion of proper sardo. There should be some sort of way to to know way the way you have certificated certification for organic. Yeah. But unfortunately, that is so expensive that a lot of organic farmers actually can't afford to pay for well, it. Well, I actually don't have a certificate because I just use organic produce. I can't say my mine is organic. Yeah. Because there's nothing. There is no non-organic. But, but what I mean is maybe there should be some sort of way to certify a real sourdough so people can well, that, easily tell from well, that's the exactly, sourdough that's like pretend yeah, sourdough. Well, that's exactly what the Real Bread Ireland and their partner, they're, they're, there's Real Bread Ireland and then there's Real Bread UK. 
and they're both working sort of they're two as far as I'm aware they're two separate organisations but they're both working partnership with each other. Uh, Real Bread UK have been actively trying trying for years now to get it passed um, um, so that there is a distinction you know the way like if you buy Parmesan it has to have a certificate of authentication that, that it is from a certain region or Parmesan or Reggiano or whatever or if you buy a certain type of olive oil it's got the stamp it's basically they're trying to do the same thing with Sardo get, get it passed legally that you know if you're selling Sardo and, and you say Sardo it is Sardo and it is made the proper way uh, you know whether it's organic flour or not it has free ingredients and it's fermented for a certain amount of time and it's made in the traditional way instead of this mass produced stuff that people are selling and and at the moment are able to pass as sardo and charge more than they would do for normal bread, but it's still not the real deal. That's that's what uh, Real Bread Ireland and Real Bread UK are trying to get past. Um, so yeah, there is there is people trying to get these things done, but obviously because it's big business they're up against. Mm. You know, it's not just as straightforward as and and then people you know the public need to know as well and they need to get behind it. Um, so that's something I'm very, very passionate about because that needs to that needs to change for people like myself and anybody else who is doing it the proper way. You know, we need that in place so that people can't, you know, basically rip off the the, the name. It shouldn't be allowed. And also, obviously, the the, the people that it impacts the most is the customers yeah, who are trying who to buy something that may actually benefit their health or not affect them mm-hmm. badly in any way, and then they. Un- they end up buying something that actually affects their That's it. And then, and then they disregard it and they go, well, that, that doesn't help. That doesn't change anything. But if yeah. they got the real deal, it would. Yeah, I think there's a lot um, that really needs improved with regards to food legislation in, in, in Ireland and, and UK. And it's not just sourdough or um, it's just any processed foods. The mm-hmm. amount of stuff they don't need to declare uh, with regards to ingredients, yeah. it's unreal and it really drives me crazy because people really don't know what they're eating. Absolutely. That's that's exactly why people think I'm slightly fanatical, but that's why I scratch cook every night because I've got complete control over what goes into, you know, my food. We do that too. And I, I, think, I think people think we are mad, but I years ago I invested into slow cooker mm-hmm. and that's the biggest joy yeah. that I get spent like half an hour in the evening maybe chopping up ingredients and veggies, throwing it in a slow cooker, setting it for eight, nine hours in the morning, you wake up and real food you made from scratch is there ready for you. Yeah, that's amazing. It tastes so much better too. Oh, totally. You yeah. can't. You can't even compare. I whenever I watch people eating ready-made food they bought in a supermarket, they throw it in a microwave, mm. and it's done. And I'm just thinking, oh my god, this is not even a it's food. It's not even food. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm exact same. I'm desperate for it. I stand in the supermarket looking at people's trolleys and stuff. Not judging them because everybody's on their own journey, but just looking, going, oh, you know, sometimes. You know, but that's that's you know that's unfortunately that's marketing and advertising and lack of education and again food is education. You know it, it should be taught in schools. You know it should be starting at a fundamental level. You know people are you know like advertising. Oh, you have to do switch on the TV or the radio and it's all you know big burger chains and you know all the rest of it and you know, it's just being pumped into people's psyche all the time. Um, whereas it didn't used to be that way. But I think what's making it really difficult is that a lot of the time. People on low incomes are almost forced to buy bad food because I, for some reason the manufacturers manage to make processed, heavily processed 
food that's not even real food to me cheaper than or make it seem cheaper yes, same. than this the real the food. Yeah. Time and convenience is one of the biggest things. The, the, the money side of things I completely don't accept. Uh, people try to say that it's cheaper to buy crop food, if you want to put it that way, convenient food. Um, it's it's not like, for example, I only buy, I would love to buy organic free-range chickens, but like, I've tried and it's really, really hard to get organic. You can get them in the supermarkets, but I don't like the ones in the supermarkets or crop. So um, I go to my local butchers and you can get me free-range chickens. So I buy one chicken uh, a week and it's a bigger chicken than, because it's allowed to grow and mature and all the rest of it. So I bring it home and I butcher it myself and I make stock out of the um, bones, um, which is really simple. You just roast them in the oven, as you know yourself, a, a you know, carrot, a bit of celery, um, an onion, bay leaf, and you know some pepper. We have a um, apple cider vinegar to bring the nutrients out of the bones, cover it with water and let it do its thing, leave it. You've got stock, filter it off and put it in the fridge. You've got stock all week to make all your dishes with, soups, gravies, whatever you want. Um, but I can make that chicken do... Family of four, I can make that chicken do us from, if we had a Sunday dinner and then um, and cook it sep- you know, a bit separately um, from fresh, we would be eating that the Wednesday and that's not including maybe a soup. Um, so you could get four or five meals out of one chicken, no problem at all. Um, other things like, you know, if you're just sticking with meat, you don't have to stick with meat, you can go with vegetables, just sticking with meat because a lot of people eat meat. You can get like a shoulder lamb for £12, the butchers are more than happy to give you them because they can't get rid of them. Because um, nobody wants them, slow cook it, and you you, you cut meat there to do you again, all week. Um, so again, it's can people, it's down the education. In my mind, it's all these fundamental things that make food aren't expensive. Yeah, See, education is a big thing. Of course, that in comparison, it seems expensive. But then we should really look at the quality of the food. But we are not educated enough to do that. Yeah. And then, if you're gonna be eating this cheap processed food all your life, then Good luck paying the medical bills when mm. you're old and ill. Absolutely. That's the other problem. You're investing in your health yep. now when you're young. Well, you are what you eat. That's so true. Totally. But we're going off the topic. <laughs> <laughs> I always end up moaning about... <laughs> food. Uh, you're, food. You're, in, you're in good company. <laughs> oh, my God. I could talk for days about food. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, another question I was going to ask, actually, and you answered it already what you were doing before so you were a bricklayer and you know I can't blame you for not returning to that line of work because surely that's not healthy for you no it's not it's a it's you know it's a dangerous environment it's you know it's the crack with the boys is brilliant you know that side of it was amazing and I've always liked you know doing sort of skilled jobs so the the skill element of it was fantastic you know whenever you were doing like a there was a couple of um, like Victorian rebuilds that we were doing there were rebuilds of you know an old Victorian building and there was all this intricate brickwork and what have you, and it was, it was great to do. You know, it was that type of thing I really, really enjoyed. But the majority of the time, you know, a lot of the crop you have to take from builders and all that carry on. You know, what you're working for it was getting money off people. You know, that side of things I don't miss at all. Uh, and obviously the pains, back pain, joint pain, you know, all that side of stuff. Plus, never mind all the cement dust you're breathing in, and you know, it's not going to be good for you either. Like so. Yeah, no, glad to be away from it for that for the for those reasons. But I do, I, I do really miss the banter with the boys. You know, it was great, Craig. So it was. Um, but yeah, I've always had a desire um, to do something with food. I think it's been the calling. Um, whenever I was, whenever I was young, um, yeah, whenever I was young, I got my inspiration from my granny. My granny was basically like my mum. 
to me whenever I was growing up, I spent most of my life in her house and she was a proper old school, you know, cooked everything from scratch more or less. You know, basic food, but proper, what I would call Irish food. Um, you know, stews, soups, Irish broth, you know, all these types of things. Made all her own sort of bread, potato bread, buns, you know. She'd done everything, she made her own curtains, you know. She'd done, you know, for someone in the house, there was a good chance that she had done it herself, made it herself in some way, shape or form. Mostly because they were, weren't very well off and she had to. But me growing up in that environment and being beside her, I picked up the bug. Uh, you know, very, very young, and like I would have been in, you know, probably annoying her, you know, trying to help, but she was always happy to give me a wee stool and get me up, you know, I remember one of my greatest memories is the smell of freshly cooked potato bread, you know, just warm off the griddle and just a bit of butter on it and just melting, you know, down your chin, there'd be a bit of a mess now with a beard look, but um, yeah, even now, to this day, whenever I'm cooking potato bread in the kitchen, it smell just takes me straight back, so it does, um, but yeah, no, so from an early age, I've had the bug for cooking, um, and when I was younger, I did want to be a chef, but I went to a school where boys were boys, if you want to put it that way, and I didn't have the strong mind that I have now. So instead of doing HE, which all the girls were doing, which looking in hindsight would have been a better thing to do, because it would have been a class for the girls, like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. This, this immature male brain wasn't, wasn't working right. Um, so instead, I went to a class full of boys. What's up the question? Justin? <laughs> 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 went back to Richard again. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I didn't do the HE thing and yeah, regret it because I wanted to be a chef. Um, it's probably one of my biggest regrets, but no regrets at all because life is what it is and you're on the journey that you're on. You got there. Yeah, whatever's meant to happen will happen eventually anyway. So re- strangely, I ended up being somewhat of a chef anyway at one stage because I, I, I got a job. I was doing uh, exams in third year in school. Um, I happened to go to the local Chinese at lunchtime to get some food. And the woman worked there, Celia, who's actually passed away now, um, she said, any of these boys looking a job? I was like, absolutely, I'm all, I was looking money, I was looking a bit of freedom and what have you. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And she says, okay, when can you start? And I says, whenever. She says, okay, start tomorrow. So started off wrapping, just wrapping chips and wrapping cartons and stuff like that. And she must have seen something in me. And within a week, I was working on the fryers. And within a month or two months, I was like the head fryer. And then like within six to eight months, I was working on the Chinese walks, which nobody really did. And then it was all Chinese people doing it. Um, and I stayed there from third year till I was probably 17, so four, four years maybe. Um, and loved it, loved the experience, loved the camaraderie, loved the intensity because it was really, really busy. It was really good Chinese. I didn't know what it was. It was called Special Chinese Seasoning at the time, but it was MSG. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I questioned. I knew what every other ingredient was, and they were great. They made all their own stocks. They got all their own meat in. They butchered all their own meat. You know, they done everything fresh. But they used this. I was always asking, "What's this?" Because I had to put it into the dishes, and it was like, "Oh, this is Special Chinese Seasoning." That's part. the stuff that makes you come back for more. Yes, exactly. That's <laughs> the stuff that makes you keep eating and eating Drugs. and eating and eating. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't until years after I left and I actually found out what MSG was. So I was like, ah, right, okay, that's what the special. That's why all the food tastes good. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, no. So by chance, I ended up yeah working in the food industry for a, a good while anyway. But then left, um, done a couple of stupid factory jobs, which didn't really. Um, 
wasn't me. Didn't like it at all. And then got went and got a um, job in the building site and done my, served my time as a odds man and then done my training and became a bricklayer. Um, so yeah, it's always been in my bones. It's always been in there. And as I say, I've always had this drive or wanted to be a chef. And it's still, it is still there. I know I'm doing baking, but I love cooking. Uh, it's probably my biggest passion. If we didn't convince you yet to try sourdough, I hope we'll do so in the next part of this interview. But for now, if you are curious about trying sourdough, you can order directly from Carl via social media, where you can also find the full menu. Or if you'd like to try his bakes first, you can buy some or order through any of the following places in Northern Ireland. In Hillsborough, it's the Hara restaurant. In Moira, it's the Fine Coffee Company, the Shed in Maharaberry, the Copper Lab in Banbridge, and in Maharalin, it's the Farmgate Meats. If you'd like to order and collect through any of these, you'll just have to contact them directly to find out which day of the week they're getting Carl's delivery, what's on the menu, or how to order. As for the food this week, because Carl's recipe will be shared in the next part, I am going to leave you with a very simple and tempting pizza recipe. Of course, the base for it is a sourdough pizza base because you want to stay as healthy as possible. Of course, I get mine from Carl, but if you do not live anywhere near Grain Bakehouse and you have another sourdough baker in your area, I suggest you try and source out a real sourdough pizza base because that is what makes all the difference. So once you have your pizza base, what you need is ideally a homemade pesto. And it doesn't have to be a red pesto, which I usually either make or get um, from a health food shop. And it's just simple sun-dried tomatoes, red peppers, basil, oregano, olive oil and a wee bit of lemon juice. But it could also be herb pesto such as parsley and coriander or, I don't know, rosemary and parsley or rosemary and coriander, all, all of three above. Or you can try some tarragon pesto with a bit of parsley and a rocket. Any herbs, anything green goes. Trust me, you cannot go wrong with herb pesto. And believe or not it works really really well with pizza so whether you choose to go with herb pesto or tomato based pesto spread it as thick as possible on your pizza and do not leave a piece of base untouched and once you spread it i like to make vegetarian version yeah this one is vegetarian You can't go wrong. You can just throw any vegetables you want on it. But what I really like to do is go sort of Mediterranean. So I thinly slice about half of an aubergine and half of a medium-sized courgette. And I do quite thin slices. And then you just spread the slices all over the pizza. You can go first aubergines, then courgettes or the other way around. It really doesn't matter. And then I like to get either green or yellow pepper, especially if you already used red pesto on the pizza because I like to go through all the colors. If you use green herb-based pesto, you can go with red pepper to give it some red. It's just beautiful when you use vibrant colors on it. And then put rocket So about a handful of rocket, just throw it all over the pizza. You can do a handful of coriander or parsley as well. You can't go wrong with herbs. There can never be too many of herbs. And then here comes the slightly naughty bit. And that's your vegan cheese. To me, 
It's no pizza without cheese. I am not a big fan of it, but for a pizza, you just have to. I mean, you don't have to, but come on, it's pizza. You do have to, right? So there are a few good options out there in health food shops and you just throw few handfuls all over the pizza do not leave a piece of your pizza untouched by cheese it needs to be covered stick it in the oven for about 180 degrees for around 12 minutes and then done just slice it up and eat it and enjoy it because it's bloody awesome if you have any nice olives you can throw a handful of olives on the pizza as well Although what I prefer doing is to throw olives in my salad plate and then eat that on a side. But do whatever floats your boat. You cannot go wrong with anything when it comes to vegetarian pizza. Only thing you really need to remember is you have to use sourdough pizza base. That's the rule. I hope you'll enjoy it. And if you enjoyed this episode please write a little honest review on either iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You may not realize it, but all those reviews and stars make a real difference to us and help us reach wider audience. You can also leave us a comment on SoundCloud or social media. And please like, share, spread the word. It's really important for us. And this is what the podcast is about. It's all about helping everybody find the information they need to support their own health. And that's it for this week. Um, Have a lovely couple of weeks. Make some sourdough pizza. And more importantly, stay healthy. Until next time. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.